0: On the Riyabu podcast, today we're tackling an issue which you may already be familiar with. You've been supplying to a particular customer for years, and there's an established and well-worn process that you both have been getting used to, works like a well-oiled machine. You send a quotation, the customer sends back a purchase order, and then you deliver the product or service and hopefully get paid on time. But then what happens if things change at the customer end and their process all of a sudden becomes more complex? Worse, the problem is that the process is now more complex for the person that you're dealing with, not just for you. The person that you're dealing with at the company, at the customer company, all of a sudden has no idea how to order your product or service. If you're familiar with this dilemma, then you probably also know that the business owner that you've been speaking to at that customer company Has had no training in that new process, has no idea how to fill in whatever new forms or other systems have been put into place. And so you as the supplier are now in the unenviable position where you can't sell your product or service to this business owner until they relearn their own internal processes. And then because that internal business owner, him or herself hasn't actually gotten any training in those new processes, they ironically ask you for help. Simon Littlewood, it's you who I'm asking for help. What do you do when even your own customer doesn't know how to use their own processes?
1: Well, we start, don't we, from a perspective of service. And one of the things that you and I were very concerned about when we wrote our book, Let the Cash Flow, which is all about helping you get paid on time by your customers, is adopting the view that by being closer to your customers and improving the level of customer service that you offer, And ensuring that it's offered early and frequently, you can work around the issues that typically delay payment and end up with you getting paid late. So, in this particular instance, if I think about what we wrote in that book, one of the things that we encourage all companies to do is to make sure that they fully understood their customers' payment processes before they actually do business for the very simple reason that if you wait to discover what you've just described, Until after you've actually put your heart and soul into delivering your workshop or selling your widget or whatever it is, you're in a much weaker position to get paid because, to be honest, the customer has less interest in helping you sort it out. They've got what they want, right? Yes. So one of the things that we say is find out what their internal payment process is. Find out which person and their phone number and their email is responsible for each part of that process. And I suppose to continue uh, along the lines of your particular situation, if you come across someone when you're going through that process who clearly doesn't understand their own payment processes, then that's a red flag. Really, you should be saying, well, if you don't understand your payment processes, then clearly we're not going to get paid on time. So let's sort that out. Yeah, And then you get to act the good guy and to help them potentially. Although, how much time have you actually got? To help all your customers figure out their own internal payment processes, I mean.
0: It's almost Kafkaesque, you know, to be talking to a customer who you've been dealing with for some years. And as I said at the outset, you know their processes well. They thought they knew their process well. And then you end up being the bearer of bad news when you tell your customer, actually, we can't supply you like we used to because you've changed your processes. And then they say, huh, what? We've changed our processes?
1: Yeah, yeah I mean, we always assume the best about people. We always assume that customers really do want to pay you on time and they're acting in good faith but and I'll only mention this once because i don't I don't want to go down this particular rabbit hole particularly, is when this kind of thing happens frequently, as it does with some accounts, and all of a sudden the person you're dealing with has completely lost sight of what he has to do to get your invoice paid on time, then you sort of question mark hovers over your head and you're thinking is this just an accident or is this because we know that liquidity is an issue now for some companies we know interest rates are going up is this just another degree of complexity where there's a hope that we'll get lost in all of this and they'll get to hang on to their money for another one month or two months yeah but but that's just it simon
0: they get to hang on to their money longer sure but we also get to hold on to our products and services
1: longer we can't even deliver But the reality is, how many times have you and I actually done business? How many times have we written the scope, gotten to agree the scope, and not been entirely 100% clear about what's required on the back to get paid on time? If I'm honest, many, many times. I'm much better at it now. but, But the reality is, if you're an entrepreneur and your thing that keeps you awake is not having enough business, then you delight in closing a deal. I mean, that's the reality, right? I
0: see. What you're suggesting is that the customer in this case has added this extra complexity in the hope that the supplier caves and says, never mind, get that order form, that new process underway when you're ready. In the meantime, we'll already deliver.
1: There are lots of modalities for this kind of thing. You know, just as there are modalities like, well, you know, if you give us a discount this time, you know, we we can charge you a bigger price next time. And they say exactly the same thing the second time that you. So there are lots of ways that customers can encourage your enthusiasm for being of service whilst playing down the details around what it actually takes to get paid on time, what you actually have to do. And I think you've done this, is to really hold the line. And one way to do it, because we've talked about this a little bit more, given that it's important for you to maintain the relationship with your account, one way to do it is to to split functions, is to simply say, and I've used this lots of times, which is. Jesus, I really do want to sign this contract. I would like to be in there on Monday giving this workshop because you're a great guy and I really like your people. But unfortunately, you know, my my finance department are telling me um, I can't do it because it's not clear to us what your payment process is. So you can you can play it that way. That way you can continue to be the good guy, but ensure that you get the information that you need. Yeah, and uh, as I speculated earlier, I wonder if we're going to see more and more of this now because we're now. There haven't been, despite our dire prognoses, there have not been the levels of insolvency within COVID and after COVID that you and I had feared might happen. But I wonder whether inflation and massive increase in interest rates could actually be the straw that that breaks the camel's back. And the reality is that large companies who have purchasing power are in a position to squeeze their suppliers, and small companies aren't.
0: That's the reality. So the bottom line is, hold the line, don't uh, buckle under a new process. If the customer really wants your product or service, before long, they'll go and find out how to get that uh, order form signed and how to complete it. Or perhaps even, um, would you even suggest maybe putting together an FAQ sheet for your own customer that if you've gone through this process once, then you can actually help to train them for free?
1: We kind of have a checklist, don't we, for doing what we call a get paid on time and credit policy. So yes, there should be a checklist and FAQs is, is a really good idea. Whether or not you go ahead it depends entirely on your liquidity. You know, some companies are richer than others. You know, if you happen to have a, a good solid bank balance and this is a customer that you really want to win, then you might make a commercial decision, okay, it's a little bit of it's a little bit opaque on the back, but let's go in there and do a stonking job and let's sort out the opacity and in future we'll know what, what, what we're doing. You can do that as long as you're making it rationally. That the danger is that you're not paying attention to the risk and that you go ahead and you do whatever it is you're being paid for or not paid for and uh and then you end up short of money you know it's very important that you go in with your eyes open and uh, you know at the risk of being a bit of a pedant one of the things that we argue for in our book is that you should do not just a profit and loss account but a cash flow forecast i have a very eminent friend who acts as an angel for a whole bunch of companies in Asia, including a number of startups. And he says, and I see your cash flow forecast. And he says about seven times out of 10, they don't have one. They don't have one. What they have is they have, we're going to sell all this product to all these customers at all these margins. Aren't we great? The answer to that is, well, if it turns out that all your customers have payment processes that they don't understand uh, and they can't pay for three or four months, no, it's not great because you're going to have to put massive amounts of working capital into, into pursuing your growth. So go in with your arms open, forecast cash flow. If you have enough money and this customer is strategically important, you might take it on the chin, do the business, and then worry about figuring out the payment process later.
0: That's not what we've done. In in this case, we've we've had the stiff upper lip and we've said, no, sorry, we can't deliver if you can't send us a purchase order and, and kind of thrown it back at them. If they don't know how to complete their own form, then, I mean, First of all, we did have a bit of a chuckle about that. You know, how come they didn't do this themselves? How come they weren't able to, you know, get that training and to, to complete the form? But we, we kind of figured that, no, we're not going to just supply. Just because the complexity has increased on their side, that's actually not really our business. Now, fortunately, we're, we're in a position where this is a good customer. Had them for years. They like us. We like them. And all we can kind of do is, is to stand back and shrug and say, we'll help you as much as you can to complete your own order form.
1: It's not satisfactory though is it? I mean these things are binary. I'm going to provide you with a service. It takes a lot longer, that's for sure. And you're going to provide me with an agreed sum of money within an agreed period of time in exchange for that service. That's what business is about. You know, if all or part of that are not being met, if you're not providing the service you said you would, if they're not in a position to actually ensure that you get paid on time because they don't have a clue how to do it given their own processes, then big part of the customer's obligation is not being met. And that's not satisfactory. And we should be gentle and loving, but insist that it is met before we do service, which is exactly what you're doing, Mark. So fantastic. You've obviously reread our book and you've come to business refreshed <laughs> with the knowledge of what's in your own head. Yes. Customer intimacy,
0: that's what we're looking for. Maybe you've heard a story like this of your own. Maybe you've had a similar situation where you know the customer's procurement process better than the customer does. Maybe you'd like to share with us your example as well as how you overcame the issue. Drop us a note in the comments box next to this podcast or email us at service at com. Thanks, Simon. Thanks, Mark.